Welcome to another episode of Chris Reed's book. Welcome to this week's episode of Chris Reads Book. I am your resident author, Chris Pullman, and I am here to read to you today chapters 17 and 18, uh, the last two chapters I'm going to record of my latest uh, and first straight fiction novel, Linda's Cal Exit. Um, without going into too much explanation, I'm these are the last two chapters I'm going to read out of this book just because I'm still trying to get it published. So un until that falls apart like the last two books have, uh, I'm only recording the first third so that it is out there for consumption but that there's still some book left. In case it gets published then there's something for you, my consumer, my reader, my audience to still go out and enjoy a new. At that point, if it does get published, I'm sure I would uh, finish reading the rest of this. Otherwise, like I say, if it doesn't get picked up, then I'll record the rest of it as well. But let's go ahead and jump right into it. Chapter 17 and then Chapter 18 out of Linda's Cal Exit. Linda had left the party and gone back to the office. Mala deserved a chance to celebrate her success. Their numbers had again leveled out, but were consistently higher than they had been in February. Barry's draft amendment communication was being circulated to the various state organizers, and Mala was now handling daily blog posts for the campaign. Overall, it was a great time for the campaign. Linda just wished that it was as good a time in life for her personally. Heading toward the latter part of April, Linda was considering what her relationship with Phil should look like. Did she want to continue it into summer? He was a great guy, but Linda felt like she was taking advantage of him lately. She hadn't been at home other than to sleep in weeks, and had to cancel every date that Phil had set up for them in the last two months. All in all, Linda was feeling like an extremely neglectful girlfriend. The two hadn't even had Time for more than a quickie here and there since January, which was really weighing Linda down and putting her on edge. But the campaign was important enough that Linda just couldn't find time for anything other than it. Her phone buzzed. It was a text from Phil. Netflix and chill? he asked. Resenting herself as she typed, Linda sent back, Have to write up some updates for our benefactors. Sorry. Rain check? Sure, no problem, was Phil's reply. It was hard being Linda Willis. Why had it become so hard? She hadn't set out to be such an indispensable part of this... thing. She'd only wanted to make sure that Kyle and Trevon didn't crash and burn. And now she was a regular guest on national TV shows and in personal communication with a lot of very influential, wealthy people. How had this happened? When had it happened? Linda thought back to her childhood in Chicago, to trips to the farmer's market, to Millennium Park, to the shed, to air shows along North Avenue Beach. She longed for a good Giordano's pizza and to be able to hop on the L and 
go to a Cubs game. Her dad had been lucky enough to get tickets to the Chicago games of the 2016 World Series, but Linda hadn't been able to get home for them. Where had the simple days gone? She continued typing out her update. Polls remain steady across our target states. The staff is growing increasingly confident in what we can now achieve. Based on the feedback, both from our state organizers and the smaller benefactor community, we're having Bernard Craig revise the language of the amendment. Crowdsourcing it is proving very effective. As we do so, at month end March, we reviewed our operating budget for places that needed more funding or that could stand to be reduced. That report is also attached. In regards to concerns over losing any of our staff, especially Mala, I am certain that all of my senior staff is committed to the long game. Most of us have been here since this movement's inception, are emotionally invested in its success. I would like to point out one issue that has arisen. Personal security. Since Mala's post derogatory and threatening responses on our various social media channels have quadrupled. While we generally don't feel that anyone would take actual action against us, some of our junior staff are less certain. During our last all-staff meeting, I was asked to bring this up with all of you and ask for any input. If the group feels that such concerns are warranted, we would then like to investigate the possibility of hiring on-site security to at least provide some sense of physical security to our staff. Linda sat back and reread her email. It would be a rough road ahead, even with all the support the movement now had. Passing any amendment, let alone one that allowed for the willful dissolution of the Union, would be exceedingly difficult. However, their efforts across the country, while just starting, seemed to be gaining traction. As hoped, by framing their argument for secession slightly different in each region and state, people had better taken to its message. Interestingly, congressional Republicans, who had initially blocked a measure to make Washington, D.C. the state of New Columbia after President Smith's inauguration, now were lobbying the city to again apply for statehood. Some media outlets were calling it an attempt to underpin the importance of statehood and explicate how the admission process works. Additionally, another state makes it just that much harder to gain the two-thirds majority needed to ratify a new amendment at a constitutional convention. It was a strategy that Linda could see working. So, despite being supportive of D.C.'s bid for statehood, she hoped that, having been once scorned, they would refrain from trying to once more gain admittance to the Union. Linda bent back to her email. As always, we are extremely grateful for all the assistance you are providing on a continual basis. We truly could not have met such success as we had if not for your efforts. Please know that if this movement sees ultimate success, that on that day it will be because of each of you. Linda signed the email and sent it off, feeling content. She walked over to the coffee station filled a reusable K-cup, and waited for her Highlander grog to brew. She looked back at her desk. Sitting under Mala's, adjacent to hers, was something out of place. It looked like a briefcase. 
Her coffee completed brewing, and her desk blew up. Chapter 18 Linda was vaguely aware of becoming drenched. Her ears rang, and her right arm hurt quite badly. She was crawling toward the stairs, but couldn't remember why she was on the floor. She kept trying to use her right hand, but but it seemed useless. Time didn't make sense to Linda. She had been crawling on the floor forever, and she couldn't remember anything before it. The floor was slick beneath her, and the air kept getting hotter above her. Was her vision blurring? From afar, she heard sirens. Somebody must be in trouble. Good thing emergency personnel were on their way. It was definitely getting hotter in the office. Linda tried to remove her shirt, but couldn't get a grip on it. She kept crawling. The top third of the stair door was being blocked by smoke. Why would somebody be smoking that much weed? Oh, it smelled so badly. <coughs> Linda was coughing. <coughs> the sirens were outside now. What was that ringing? <coughs> were those people running up the steps? How did the door become half-covered so quickly? Linda kept crawling toward the door. She didn't know why, but she knew it was important she reach it. <coughs> Somehow this felt like the worst level she had ever played on the Xbox. <coughs> Oof, there were people on the other side of the door. They were yelling. Who's there? <coughs> Linda cried out. I wouldn't come in. <coughs> Something's wrong. The door burst open and several yellow-clad figures in hard hats and full face masks came barging in. Two of them grabbed Linda, kept low, and rushed her out and down the stairs. She was outside, across the street on the pavement. She looked up across the street. The top two floors of the four-story building were on fire. Oh, I hope no one was in there, Linda said. There was someone bent over her, shining a light in her eyes. Ma'am, what's your name? Linda Willis. <laughs> What's yours? What year is it, Linda? The person asked. Was it a man or a woman? Oh, that seems like quite a large fire, Linda said, looking past the person. Any idea how it started? Linda, what year is it? The voice insisted. It's, um... Linda felt like her mind was moving through some thick fluid... It's 2018, she managed. Good. Do you know where you are? I... Ah... Uh, Linda said as she looked around while the person the voice belonged to was feeling her right arm. Linda looked up at the building again. It was her building. Oh, God. She suddenly remembered what had just happened. Oh, God. Oh, that's the Dixon Hill building. It's my building, Linda said. Linda, when was the last time you had something to eat or drink? 
Linda looked up and saw that the voice belonged to a woman roughly her own age. There, on her EMT uniform, was a name tag. Uh... It read P. Boffert. I had some... I had some water as I was at my desk, but, um... But before that, it was probably nine or ten. I was at McGinty's. Are you allergic to any medications, Linda? No, Linda said, gently shaking her head. Okay, Linda. I'm going to give you something for pain. Is that okay? But I'm not in pain, Linda said, her head swimming. My ears are ringing, though. Fire trucks are now desperately spraying water through windows and on the building's roof. You're in shock, Linda. When that wears off, I don't want you to black out from the pain. So I'm going to give you an injection. Is that okay? What's your name? Linda asked. I'm Patty, Linda. Sure, Patty. Linda watched as the flames began to abate. Their entire floor had been consumed in flames. After Patty had given her the injection, Linda searched her pockets for her phone. Luckily, it had made it out with her and was still working. Where am I being taken? She asked Patty. We're going to Pearson Memorial, Patty replied as she gingerly wrapped Linda's right hand and lower arm, putting it in a sling. Linda unlocked her phone, pulled up her U.S. Ocali group chat, and typed out, I am alive. Going to Pearson Memorial. She then held up her phone and started recording the scene still unfolding before her. She didn't know if there were any reporters on scene, but if there were, they certainly weren't as close as she was. Patty helped her into the ambulance and closed the doors. Was there anyone else in the building? Linda asked. We didn't find anyone, Linda. Dead or alive. Oh, thank God, Linda said. Do you, remind if, do you mind if I record myself, Patty? Don't know how good the audio will be, and I'm going to have to keep checking a few things, but... As long as you don't stop me from doing my job, I'm okay with it, Patty replied. Linda opened up the camera app again, switched it to front-facing mode, and hit record. I am Linda Willis, the public face of the U.S. of California movement. As you can see, that face is a bit less than in top form right now. After an evening out with co-workers, I returned to our offices in the Dixon Hill Business Building on Lincolnshire Boulevard. While I was there, an explosive device of some kind went off. I do not yet know the extent of my own injuries or the damage to the building beyond having seen the top two floors engulfed in flames. I am currently on my way to the hospital to be treated. I do not know if the explosion was intentional or accidental. However, I did want all our members to know that I am alive and well. I will send along any updates as I can. Thank you. Linda sent the recording to Kyle and Charlize with instructions to forward it on to Gwen Graves, Christine Johnson, and Lawrence McCarthy. Linda, how do you feel? Patty asked. My ears are still ringing, Linda commented. Patty took out an otoscope and began looking into Linda's ears. There's some inflammation, probably caused by the explosion you mentioned, Patty said. I'm going to write that down, but I can't tell what might be going on past that. Hopefully the doctors at Pearson can. Linda's phone vibrated. Kyle and Charlize were already uploading the video across their available channels. <sighs> Sounds good, Linda said as she sagged against the side of the ambulance.
And that's chapter 18. Thank you for tuning in week after week, or thank you for joining me for the first time this week. If you're interested in listening to more episodes, you can head over to my website, narclaninc.com. That's N-A-R-C-L-A-N-I-N-C.com. Go to the podcast link, the Chris Reads book page, and there all of my back MP3 episodes of this podcast are available for you to either stream or download from the site. You can put them on your mp3 device or if you do the podcast thing you can head over to itunes or your favorite podcast application just search for chris reed's book if you'd like to connect with me on that same page the podcast page you'll find an email icon as well as links over to my author facebook and twitter accounts please find me over there like me follow me let me know that you're listening and what you think even if not of the story itself of my writing style, either from uh, Linda's Cal Exit or either of my other two books, uh, Mystery and Deceit from Earth to Mars or Martian Reporter Humanity's New Hope. Once I know whether or not this book is going to get picked up or not, I'll look into recording more episodes. Otherwise, next week I'll be returning to recording uh, Martian Reporter Humanity's New Hope. If you've really enjoyed this podcast and you want to help support me and my efforts to become a professional author, the best way for you to do that right now is to share this podcast, my work, with a family member, a friend, a co-worker, anyone you know who you think would enjoy the material that I'm putting out there. And I thank you for that. For now, though, uh, that'll do it for me this week. Thank you again for tuning in and listening, and until next time, have a good week, keep being awesome.